Hello, I'm Damien Venuto. It's May 15th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. The government has promised that this year we'll see a no-frills budget, meaning that we won't be seeing any flashy spending. This continues a long trend of politicians keeping our debt levels low rather than investing heavily in the infrastructure needed for the future. So is this the best approach given the myriad challenges the country faces? And as a society, do we need to become more willing to take on debt to make sure our cities are fit for the future? Today, on the front page, Sense Partners economist Shamabil Jakob helps us understand why Aotearoa is so afraid of debt and why that might need a change. Shamabil, can you start by explaining what New Zealand's debt-to-GDP ratio is and how it's ultimately set? Yeah, so New Zealand currently has net debt, where we kind of take the amount of money that we have borrowed as government, take away our assets, and our net debt is around 19% of the economy, about $78 billion. And we have a target ceiling. So it's agreed by the government when they're in power, how much debt we should have as maximum, our ceiling. And that's currently set at about 30%. To give you a bit of context, we currently have about $78 billion of net debt. And that ceiling gives us room for another $45 billion of borrowing. Well, a meeting between President Biden and the four top leaders of Congress that was scheduled to take place tomorrow morning at the White House has been postponed, according to a White House official. Of course, any news related to the debt ceiling is material to the markets, to the economy. So, of course, we're going to get as much information as we can. In the United States, reference is often made to the debt ceiling, and it's something that brings the government to a standstill from time to time as they debate whether to lift that ceiling. How does our system differ from that? Well, the big difference is that in the U.S., the debt ceiling is very close to how much debt they have currently. So every few years, what happens is that as the economy continues to grow and they borrow money to invest in things, they start eating away at that debt ceiling. And so they're getting closer and closer. I think the big difference between what happens in the U.S. and in New Zealand is that that debt ceiling in the U.S. is almost seen as a target rather than a cap. And in New Zealand, we are quite far away from that ceiling. So it really is a ceiling. It's the maximum amount that we should borrow responsibly, given the size of our economy and those kinds of things. And like I said before, our debt ceiling is set at 30% of GDP, and we currently have borrowed 19%. So we've still got a big buffer in the order of about $45 billion that's still there, should we want to borrow more money. So the US is slightly more aggressive when it comes to tapping into the money that's available, whereas New Zealand tends to be a little bit more conservative. Much more, much more. So their debt to GDP is close to 100%. So, you know, it's a very different kind of dynamic. And we're not in the same situation. We can't borrow that kind of money. We are a small economy at the mercy of, I guess, the bigger financial currents that are out there. The U.S. is the biggest economy in the world. The financial markets are pretty much driven by the U.S. It's all denominated in the dominant currency, which is the U.S. dollars. So the U.S. is very different from other places. But the politics there are much more feral than they are in New Zealand. So, you know, what's happening with the debt ceiling there is it's actually not realistic in terms of how much money the government there is likely to borrow. And so we've got this strange situation where every few years we have this tango between the different political factions there about 
how can we limit government from doing what it wants to do? And this is one of the tools that they use. We haven't seen, I guess, the debt ceiling being nearly so weaponized in New Zealand. And in a large part, because across our political parties, across the political spectrum, there is a general commitment towards, I guess, sustainable finance. And this is very much a throwback from the disaster that New Zealand faced under Muldoon when the country went almost bankrupt, which forced us to have those huge reforms in the 1980s. And so our public finance system is actually very good, fairly responsible. Of course, we can argue about whether all the money is being spent rightly in the best possible way, in the best possible projects. But the reality is that we're in a much better financial position than many other countries. Given that the United States is this big outlier, how does our debt-to-GDP ratio compare to other countries? Very favorably. So if you look at New Zealand in the context of the OECD, which is a kind of club of rich countries, We are very responsible. So we've got relatively low levels of debt, but in the context that we're also a relatively small economy and that we are quite far away, we're quite specialized in a few things when it comes to our economy. So it's not surprising that we have relatively less debt because we should, but it is also true that we have been very responsible through political cycles over a long period of time, maintaining very good levels of debt. And it really started under Cullen when he kind of really got it under control And then through the John Key years and Bill English, there was very well maintained in spite of the earthquakes. We borrowed when we needed to, but we paid it off. And even through the periods with COVID, we borrowed a lot of money. But even with that, our net debt to GDP is holding at a pretty good level. That responsibility does, however, have a cost. So what impact has that had on our ability to build the infrastructure that we need? Yeah, look, there is always a trade-off. So when we choose not to borrow, we also choose not to invest because more often than not, when you borrow money, it's not for paying the bills, right? That's what taxes are for. Most of the money that we borrow is usually for investment in our infrastructure. And arguably, that's an area that New Zealand has been uh, very behind on. We're not the only ones, but we have a huge infrastructure deficit that will take a huge amount of investment to overcome. And those deficits are many things. It's in our rail infrastructure, our road infrastructure, in our buildings, in health, education, in our housing stock, all of those kinds of things. On top of that, of course, we've got all the climate change related issues in both in terms of, I guess, the coastal stuff and the issues that we've seen in places like Auckland, where we know that we have to invest more infrastructure to make our cities more resilient against these climatic shocks. So there's a lot of investment that's needed in New Zealand. And arguably, in that period of the reforms, 80s, 90s, and to the early 2000s, New Zealand really underinvested in its infrastructure. We're now paying the price. So it's not true that we can't borrow more money to invest in infrastructure, because we know that if we invested in infrastructure, the economy would be better. For example, we know that in areas like Auckland, congestion has a huge cost to the economy. And if we invested more, either through more infrastructure or through alternatives like public transport, we know those congestion costs to the economy and society would come down. So there are some benefits that that can be unlocked. And you can't do that without investment. And you can't invest without borrowing more money. If you're finding this episode of The Front Page interesting and informative, be sure to follow us on iHeartRadio or whichever podcast app you're using right now. Every listen helps us keep you up to date with the stories that matter. Shambhil, last year the government did make a commitment to raise our public debt ceiling to 30% of GDP. 
Why was that decision made at that point? And why has the government been so reluctant to tap into that additional headroom? Look, there was quite a big piece of work that was done by Treasury to go, what is a responsible amount of debt that New Zealand should have? And there's a lot of kind of geekiness that goes behind it in terms of how you define net debt and those kinds of things. But essentially, after all the work that they had done, they said, look, about 30% of GDP as net debt is a good target for New Zealand if we also do two things. One, run deficits only during periods of crises and then run to small surpluses. And two, when we choose investment projects, we choose them wisely. And that ceiling is really a ceiling. We should always have a little bit of capacity so that when there is something unexpected, like COVID, we're able to borrow money and intervene. So that was the reason why that new target was set. So there was quite a lot that happened where the previous target that was suggested by Treasury was around 50% of GDP, but it was because of different measures. So once you take all the geekiness, really what comes through is New Zealand's not ever really borrowed up to the max. And that's because that is absolutely the max that you would use in the worst possible economic situation. And I think we've been through this period in the last couple of years where we dealt with an extraordinary economic shock with COVID. And that's where a lot of that borrowing did take place. But even then, we still have some headroom now. And there is, I think, a lack of courage within our political system, across the political spectrum, to actually invest things for the long term, because people are really scared of thinking that there might be a future where we might not have as much headroom as we do now, because it might be interpreted as being fiscally irresponsible. And I don't know. I don't know if it's true, whether the public would see it as fiscally irresponsible, but I think our political masters think that is the case. There's certainly evidence of Labour being quite conservative in its willingness to spend that additional money. And then you also have opposition parties quite vocal in challenging the increased limit and have committed not to spend to that limit. You know, we can talk about how we measure debt and it seems sensible to sort of adjust to a global norm. But the bigger issue fundamentally is it looks very clearly to me that he still remains very much addicted to spending and certainly is giving himself a hang of a lot of room to take on more debt as he goes forward as well. So from our point of view, pretty much addicted to spending. Does that essentially mean that we're stuck with the status quo where we're going to underinvest in our infrastructure and we're going to perpetuate the same problems that we currently face? Yeah, look, I don't think you can really point to political parties as being less or more aggressive in terms of borrowing debt. They're all spineless. None of them are willing to actually front up and put in real dollars on the line to invest long term in our infrastructure. So what we have seen is they're willing to borrow a little bit more for this crisis response. And that's absolutely right. But I think we also need to have more borrowing for actually investing in our infrastructure because we know there is an infrastructure deficit. We know there are consequences of the infrastructure deficit and the country will not be better. It will not run more efficiently and more equitably unless we invest. But across the political spectrum, we've seen this reluctance to do it because they're really fearful that you know the politics is going to get feral. I think it's a political inertia and political gridlock that's locking us in, in this low debt, low investment situation, which is actually a terrible place to be. Is part of the problem here that Aotearoa remains a low-tax country and there's also just this unwillingness to introduce any new taxes or to increase any tax rates? Look, we don't actually need to tax a lot more to borrow a little bit more money. And the reason for that is most of the investments will actually deliver economic returns. So there's no good reason to believe that we have run out of good projects out there that will make New Zealand as a country better off, which will 
in turn increase our tax revenue. So I don't think it's true that we have run out of all the good investment opportunities. There's lots of low-hanging fruit in New Zealand. So I'm not sure that it's entirely a tax story. That's one part of it. But I think a bigger story with the debt issue is really whether or not we can identify those projects that will deliver economic returns. And the answer right now is if we look at our pipeline of infrastructure projects, which is running at close to $100 billion, the answer is absolutely yes. These are projects that would make New Zealand go faster. So it's not that there would be no benefits in terms of a larger economy and more taxes. It's just that we're not able to get through the political gridlock and actually commit to those long-term non-political decisions to invest in that infrastructure. What do you make of critics who say that more government spending will lead to increased risk of inflation bedding in for longer? Well, you know, there's never a good time to do anything, is there? So I think there's a lot of negative people out there who just go, everything is in the short term. When you're thinking about the stories of debt and infrastructure, it's really a long-term investment. So you think about the projects that are there in terms of increasing our roading capacity or bridges, improving our rail system. These are things that will take 5, 10, 15 years to deliver. And the reality is that we should not be so myopic that we look at the current inflation issues that we have and we're going to somehow change all those long-term decisions because of that. Arguably, in the long term, having better infrastructure will actually make our inflation problems less not more. So it is that kind of tension between the short-term pressures crowding out these long-term decisions that we just need to make. In fact, good decisions that we should have made decades ago. Does it come down to the fact that politicians are incentivized to focus on the short-term rather than the long-term? Always, always. We know that politicians and us as citizens and voters, we are very myopic. We are focused on the things that matter in the here and now. There is no other reason why we would tolerate the huge infrastructure deficit that we have in New Zealand. Because the reality is that if you looked up just for a second and thought, what will New Zealand be like in 20 years' time? You would invest in, in the infrastructure today. But when you're sitting in the here and now, you go, well, but it's going to cost us some money. I better not do that because I don't want to spend any money right now. Forgetting that the consequence of that is you don't have the benefits of that investment in the future you. Looking at our debt-to-GDP ratio, is there any risk that New Zealand could lose its AAA credit rating um, if our debt goes too high? Not really. Look, the rating agencies will always be saying, oh, you know, it can't be too high and we're looking at this and we're looking at that. The reality is that if you look at our debt-to-GDP position relative to other countries in the OECD and the way that our public finances are run, which are extremely transparent and accountable, there is very little risk that our ratings would fall. And there's also nothing particularly gold-plated about the current ratings that we have. It's not like we are actually using it to the maximum opportunity. I don't think we have maxed out how much money we can borrow from international investors and local investors to invest in the things that are right for New Zealand. So I don't think we're at that precipice yet. We're far, far from that. It doesn't mean that there are no issues in New Zealand. We know that some of the pressures in New Zealand and some of the risks that the rating agencies look at are not the amount of debt that government has per se, but the fact that we have a banking system that is so bloated with mortgages against houses. That's where the risks are. That's where the risks to the country are. And that's what holds some of the borrowing risks for government with ratings agencies. Shambu, why do the ratings given to us by these rating agencies matter so much? Well, it matters because this is how international investors class the risk of different governments. So if you are a more risky government, then your cost of borrowing will be more expensive. So, you know, having a high rating does help because your cost of borrowing is less. So it is in our interest to maintain a good rating 
good quality of borrowing, good quality of government, good quality of transparency and accountability, because all those things give us the ability to borrow more money at less cost, which of course is a good thing. Shamabil, if we don't change our approach to debt, how much more pressure will this place on future generations who inherit the problems that we've refused to pay for today? Well, think about the infrastructure deficit that we have today. It's only going to get worse. So if we don't invest, if we don't borrow to invest, we will leave that baggage with future generations to deal with. We know that with infrastructure, the earlier you invest and the more steady you are, the better the outcomes. The reality is that we can't break this deadlock without making some investment. That's the bit that's going to shift things. That's the catalyst that's required. And at some point in time, that's going to happen. If you look at our history, that really happened in the post-war era. We had a huge phase of nation building and we had another big burst of nation building that unfortunately peaked with Muldoon doing some crazy stuff in the Think Big projects, which kind of almost drove New Zealand to the brink of bankruptcy. A great part of it is going to come from these much maligned Think Big projects, which are going to earn us overseas funds that will back economic activity. So we don't want to see that, but I think what we do want to see is infrastructure and nation building in the things that we need as society that are at a good level, that are efficient, that are well-designed, well-maintained. Otherwise, not only will we experience the issues that we face today, but those issues will multiply in the future. Thanks for joining us, Shamabil. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. You can follow the front page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.